Welcome to The Last Resort, the last place you'd look for legitimate sports opinions. I'm your host, Spencer Harris, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Joey Michaels. Joe, I'm fired up for tonight, man. I wrote a bunch of stuff down, but I'm just amped up, man. You got a lot of energy. I like that. that was, a lot that, of spunk. That was my Steve Bomber impression. He scares the shit out of me. I was actually watching a documentary last night. He came up. Nothing to do with the Clippers, though. More about Microsoft? Yeah, and how he said the iPhone was stupid because it had no keyboard. <laughs> now Steve Jobs is up there laughing at him. It was funny. Anyways, how you doing, man? How's everything going? You know, I just had a miserable work day. It was just really hot and stuck in a box all day. It just felt like I was in a glass case of emotion. I couldn't let it out. And now I will. Yeah, no, now, now, now's your chance. Um, you know, lucky for me, I got AC in my office. Uh, for those listening, today is July 29th. Monday, and it is the second official episode of The Last Resort. Joe, we've made it to two. Well, you know what they say. If you do it wrong the first time, you get a second chance. We'll probably do it wrong both times. Yeah, so two wrongs make a right. Two in a, two out of three ain't bad. Meatloaf said that. Meatloaf we will, said Meatloaf's that. a beautiful man. Um, Good weekend? Solid weekend? Yeah, it was a decent weekend. I went down to the beach. Nice, uh, nice. Spent some time with my family. Nice. It was nice. Went to a dinner in Atlantic City. And I didn't eat dinner until 11 p.m. It was very late. Yeah, I'm not a beach guy. But, I, um, I've noticed. We'll, we'll get into that later when we talk about our, our top five least favorite things about summer. Um, this podcast is brought to you by Johnny Walker Black. Joe and I like to have a scotch every time we record because it brings us back to our, um, our earlier days when we were drinking scotch at 18, when we were drinking... Admiral Nelson and, and Rubinoff, no free ads. No free ads. Evan Williams. Evan really, Williams is up there. Really put some hair on your chest. Southern comfort, but now we're established gentlemen uh, at the ripe age of 26, and, and we drink Johnny Walker Black. So. Yeah, drinking for fun, you know, that doesn't exist anymore. So we drink for purpose. Oh, we drink for pain. We, we drink because we feel pain, and we need I mean, to numb, relieve that pain. Numbing pain. Numbing cream. Right. She has a numbing cream, too. Right. But if you have a drinking problem, do not drink. Don't Johnny drink, Walker. unless it's responsibly. Right. Um, all right, what we have on the docket for today, we have the New York football giants falling apart. What? Yes. The, we have training camp updates. Brooks Kepka wins another golf tournament. Yes. Not a major, but still a tournament. Shocking. We are officially tired of the NBA. We have weekly awards from the last week. And, of course, we have a top five. So Joe, let's get into it, starting off with my New York football giants they're a dumpster fire. They can't seem to stay healthy. They're taking fertility drugs uh, that are coming up positive in drug tests. Talk to me about this once proud franchise and what they've now turned into. Suffered good. Um, the Giants lost Sterling Shepard to a broken thumb after extending him. They gave Corey Coleman his eighth chance in the NFL, who blew out his knee. And then their hot free agent acquisition, Golden Tate, obviously can't get it up, so he had to take some fertility drugs or Viagra or whatever it was, and he will be out the first four games of the year, and he's very angry about that. But As a Giants fan, I'm a little bit annoyed he didn't ask you know, one of the diehard fans to donate their sperm. I easily would have donated my sperm. I think I'm fertile. His wife would have gotten pregnant, and he would have had to miss any football. That's true, but maybe he didn't want to play all 16 games. Maybe he only wanted to play 12. I, th- I think he's nervous to play with Eli. I think that's what it is. I think he, 
He knew that he was going to come up positive in the drug test, so he took the fertility drug. And he's scared because he knows how accomplished Eli is as both a leader and a franchise quarterback, and he doesn't want to let him down. The other thing is I heard Eli's velocity on his ball has been through the roof, so his hands hurt a little bit. He needed to ice his hands for the first month of the season, so he's ready for October when it gets cold. Yeah, I just I know he's appealing, uh, but the NFL has a very, very harsh stance on any positive drug test. He's going to miss four games. The Giants' number one and number two receivers are going to be Cody Latimer and Benny Fowler. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, very good, especially because Eli loves to throw the ball down the field, and he lost all of his slot receivers. So That leads me to my next segment, guys who should still be on the Giants, Odell Beckham Jr. Um, have you seen his hype video that he posted for Cleveland? I have not. And oh, I, I don't really know if I want to see it. It's fantastic. It's him, Jarvis, working out. Basically, the beginning of the video, it's the parade that happened in Cleveland when LeBron won. Oh, he left. Nah, and I think Jim Rome is narrating, <laughs> and he's talking about how this team is Super Bowl bound once again. They have some elite receivers, which they do, an elite quarterback. Not yet, but uh, it's... Not according to the NFL Top 100. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a hype video, um, and I've seen a few of his highlights from training camp. He is still confirmed at good at catching the football. With one hand. Oh, I didn't see those. Oh, no, he actually stands in front of the jug machine very close, and he catches balls one-handed without gloves on, which is actually very impressive. Yeah, so I, I think the Giants, um, I don't know if mistake is the right word, but they might have they fudged up a little bit because now you traded away your best receiver, the best playmaker on the team. You lost your starting three receivers, and you're down to number four and five. So Yeah, that's, that's not really good, but... Um... I guess let's get ready for Saquon. 400 carries this year, right? Because what else are they going to do? Can I tell you something on the, on the down low? What? I, I miss Odell so much. I miss him so much, Joe. Well, you know what they say. You miss what you don't have. It's you true. don't have Odell. So that's now true. you will miss him. That's true. And, and I miss now, my athletic And now ability. he's up there laughing at you. Yeah, yeah. No, he... Uh... I'm sure he's going to have something to say about all the Giants receivers getting hurt very shortly. Yeah, I can't wait for him to comment on that. Um... Brings me to my next point. I really think that the Giants should have been on hard knocks this year. The storylines would have been electric. You would have had Daniel Jones throwing a football, whether it's good or bad. Must watch TV. If you need to highlight when your rookie quarterback, taking sixth overall, throws a back shoulder ball 20 yards out and you you marvel over that, something's wrong. And I've seen that like four, like maybe twice where he's had a really good throw more than 10 yards and they're like, oh, that's why we drafted him. Like, no, no, he's supposed to routinely make that throw. He's just sixth pick overall. Well, I think these receivers going down is also guaranteed he will definitely not play this year because he would have literally nobody to throw to. So, Eli, congrats on your, what is it, 18 now? Yeah, and Eli's doing the classic Eli stuff. He's taking the high road for every single question during an interview. As is tradition, every year he's having a solid training camp. Which was one of Eli's having a great camp. We knew Eli was going to have a great camp. Eli's no matter an excellent camp. what a camp. I, I don't think he's ever had a camp this good. And you have the Giants, Giants receivers, like we mentioned earlier, they're dropping like dominoes. So you would have had that moment in Hard Knocks where the team finds out that Golden Tate tested positive. Everyone reacts. You would have had that moment where they play that sad music and Sterling Shepard breaks his thumb and, and Corey Coleman tears his ACL. And it would have, you, know, you would have had the gasps and everything. And then the next four episodes would have been the most boring episodes of Hard Knocks we've ever seen. No, they would, I, I think they would have been the perfect storm of dysfunction and entertainment. I think, I think they'd be so boring. We'd hear Pat Shermer and Eli talking for four episodes. 
And we'd get Dave Gettleman though, right? Which would be, which is the X factor here. Dave Gettleman would have been a nice change of pace for me to really get aggravated on a Tuesday Mr. night. Mr. New England. Mr. New England, Dave Gettleman. Great Boston accent. Um, instead, we get Raider Nation and Antonio Brown's try-hard predictable ass. Uh, by the way, did you see there was a little clip on Bleacher Report of Derek Carr's like five-year-old son throwing the ball to Antonio Brown's five-year-old son? So those training camp, uh, the hard knocks predictions that me and you had where we said Derek Carr and Antonio Brown were going to be like best friends... Yeah, they're already showing it in the preview. Their sons are now throwing football. I, know. I saw the preview of Gruden giving a uh, post-practice speech about how he doesn't want anybody to dream. He just wants to have nightmares. Where he wants to ruin every team in the NFL's dream of a Super Bowl with a nightmare. And he was putting on his classic Monday Night Football acting hat, which was phenomenal. I think we're going to really enjoy it. Outside of Gruden, I think Hard Knocks is going to fucking blow. I know. I think it's going to be funny. I think we're going to get perfect going nuts, yelling like... I don't know, like tribal slang. I think he's just—he's gonna fight everybody. I think their left tackle, who's like 400 pounds, is gonna fail the conditioning test, and like it's gonna be a whole thing. Something's gonna happen. It's gonna be hysterical. So, and we're gonna listen to Gruden and Gruden yell at Mayock, telling me he doesn't know how to pick players, and it's gonna be pretty funny. All I'm saying is Richie Incognito better be featured during a hard knocks fight. I want—I want to see that dude react. Over under week two or three, he gets cut from in training camp. I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over. You think he's going to make the team? I do. I do. Um, All right. We talked about the NFL being extremely strict on their drug policy. Let's talk about something they're a little bit lenient on, and that is domestic violence. (laughs) Any any comment on that? (laughs) Well, I guess if you're boxing with your kid, (laughs) there's no such thing as domestic violence. So Tariq Hill speaks to the media. Uh, He mentions he has to work on his life skills. Think? Life skills. That's what we're putting. You know, life skills for us would be like, oh, like getting a job, living on your own, you know, making your own money, budgeting. No, life skills is just not berating your girlfriend with insults and punching your kid in the chest. So if you ever abuse your child um, and are really, really good at football, uh, here is a blueprint on how to apologize. I'm going to man up. I'm sorry. I'm just here to man up to what I did on audio. My bad language. I'm going to man up to that. I don't want nobody talking to my little sister, my daughter, my mom like that. It's very disrespectful. Also, when referencing him punching his son in the chest. Punching my son in the chest. That would probably refer to me teaching my son how to box. Because we do got boxing gloves at our house. And my son, he's like Iron Man. So he loves Iron Man, Aquaman. He's like, Daddy, come on, come on, all the time. That's what it is, man. Sometimes things get thrown out of context when feelings get involved and emotions. But I ain't going to get into all that. So Joe... This seems like a thorough and well-thought-out apology, does it not? Yeah, I think his agent wrote this up word for word for him. Like, this was like, read this paper and everything will be good. Because this was one of the greatest, most humbling apologies I've ever heard in my life. Did you hear it, though? Did you listen to the audio? Yes. It makes me so sick that not (laughs) only they're not suspending him for any games, but he shows up to training camp and all the fans essentially gave him a standing ovation. (laughs) <laughs> this is I, where we are in society It's bad And They're not getting Like There's not under scrutiny for it Like Everyone's just letting this go Because I think they actually Care so much About the Kansas City Playing in prime time With the ratings And the deep balls And Mahomes And everything Knowing Sammy Watkins Is going to play about seven games this year He'll be hurt So they need that They need it For ratings Because But this is bad 
they're, I've never, this is bizarre. I mean, but. The kid doesn't live with the parents. And they didn't suspend him for a game. The kid got taken away by child services. I know. And Ezekiel Elliott bumped a security guard and they wanted to suspend him. And Golden Tate's trying to get his wife pregnant and he gets four games. Well, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, moving on. We have um, the sky is blue and A.J. Green is hurt yet again. Uh, he gets hurt every single year. I think he's only going to be out for like the first two weeks, right? It's going to be six to eight weeks. It's six. To, yeah, but it could prolong. It could get like it's not... That's the projection, six to eight, but a receiver with a bad ankle injury like that, it could drag on. He's probably not going to be healthy the whole season. I'm not a betting man, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict that A.J. Green misses more than one or two games. Oh, yeah. I, I think he's out at least the first month of the season. Not to mention the Bengals are going to suck this year, so what purpose is he really going to Especially have? with Andy Dalton basically being in a contract year, so that's really good for his morale. Oh, yeah. Well, they got John Ross, so he's really good. And Tyler Boyd, who's actually pretty good, too. They extended him. He's not bad. But uh, John Ross, I don't think he's, I think he's caught like three passes in like two years. The NFL is now becoming the no-finance league because we have Melvin Gordon, Michael Thomas, Ezekiel Elliott, Trent Williams, Ndankwe, all holding out for more money. Um, let's do this quick. I'm going to name someone. You're going to say if they should pay him or don't pay him and give me a quick reason why. You ready? Yep. Let's go. Okay. Melvin Gordon. Don't pay him. Why? Because you have control over him over the next... You, you don't need to pay him early. He's not a top three, four back in the NFL, and the Chargers can win without him. Good. Michael Thomas. You got to pay him. You have nobody else to throw the ball to. Fair. Ezekiel Elliott. Gotta pay him. He's the best player on your team. Even if he bumps security guard and whips out women's boobies when they're not watching? You're going to pay Dak Prescott $25, $30 million without Ezekiel Elliott? Okay, fair. Trent Williams. Uh, I don't think he wants to get paid by you. I think he wants to leave, but he's one of the best left tackles in the game. Yudonikin. Ngakwe from Ngakwe. Jacksonville? Yeah. Um, I, I think you got to pay him because you're all in on Nick Foles. Your defense is the strength of your team, and you need to... Play ground and pound football with play action. So you got to play defense, and he's one of the best players in your defense. Did I, I miss anybody who's holding out? Uh, no, Amari Cooper's not holding out, but he's looking for new money. All right, I, have I, a, I wouldn't pay him. I have a pretty quick way, easy solution to get all these guys to come to camp. Just, just pay them the money they're asking for. Pay all of them. Who cares? Who cares? It's the NFL. Who cares? I mean, why not? Just pay them all. Give them all pay the money. All. I like teams that are salary cap strapped. Like, I'm a Vikings fan. Vikings have no money, yet they found a way to sign all of their players without losing anyone. So I like, I like that. We've had a lot of crazy entrances into training camp this year. Uh, Jalen Ramsey came in an armored truck. Someone gave a whole speech about how he's got these receivers on lockdown. Anthony Sherman showed up to the Chiefs training camp. I don't know if he was escorted in it or he drove it, but Clint Boer's... Boyer. Boyer's yes, NASCAR If you're from car. Louisiana... And Antonio Brown hot air ballooned into training camp. That doesn't surprise me. Um, so we can get into all that, but that'd be kind of boring breaking down these guys. Joe, if you were going to arrive to training camp, how would you arrive? Well, I did arrive to many training camps in my life. But if I had a fancy way of arriving to a training camp, um, I would probably show up. I would ride my bicycle from New Jersey to Boston to training camp. For those who don't know, Joe uh, played Division II football at Bentley. He was a lineman. Yes. On the offensive side of the football. Correct. So that I, I would ride my bike just like for a long time, so I know I came in shape. What was your record senior year? 
my senior year, I think we were 500. My sophomore year was our best year. We were 8-2 and two and just missed out on a conference championship game. I went to a lot of your games, if you remember. Yes. Were you at the game where there was a massive fight in the middle of the game? I think so. That was, that was a good game. We fought the, um, I will, the darker team. They, they, um, they were kicking our ass by 45 points. Our coach pulled us off the field and refused to shake their hands, and it was very embarrassing. And the guys were actually very nice. I almost got on the field and started fighting people, but then I remembered I can't fight. So I, I actually got knocked out cold that game, too, so that was a good point. But I will say, for training camp purposes, we had a rule. which So Bentley's built on like a massive – it's on a big hill. So like, and when you go to camp, you stay in the freshman dorm. So you got to walk like all the way down the campus to the athletic field, and then back up to the dining hall and stuff. So, but we had cars, so like we drive down. So our new senior year, new coaching staff comes in. She goes, "Yep, we're not going to drive our cars anymore." So we had to walk up and down this hill after double session practices and everything, and it was quite detrimental to our mental health. And everybody wanted to quit by game four. It reminds me of um, senior year summer. Well, it was it was my. My summer going into senior year, um, my high school soccer coach, um, he asked me if I could, you know, run with the team and do these laps around uh, around the school, and I told him that I had strained a testicle. And when he said he didn't believe me, I got a note from my doctor that said, Spencer has a strained testicle. He is allowed to sit out of practice if he so chooses. Um, I was a starting goalie for varsity, so I was able to get away with it. Um, but it reminds me, all the kids who did run, they, they did not enjoy it whatsoever. What's so, the point uh, of running if you're the goalie? There's not a point. I think they just didn't want me to get fat. Is it like team morale? Like run together? I don't know, dude. I, I, I got out of it. I'm saying, though, like the, if you didn't get out of it. like what I would... think you're supposed to be fit. I don't really know. I mean, the kid who was supposed to play goalie wasn't allowed to play goalie because his AAU team forbid him from playing goalie. So they put me in there. And you know what I did, Joe? I beat Pascac Valley, I went and won a state game, and I received the Unsung Hero Award. And now I'm up here in Fort Lee laughing at them. That's true. I guess that did happen. That's nice. So you would arrive to training camp in a bike on a bicycle? No, that's a terrible idea. I, I would probably show up in like a stretch limo, Ugh. cause a lot of problems, like cause parking issues. It's very tough to get down to the field with that, so it would be obnoxious and people would get really pissed off about it. So I would show up in a stretch limo. I thought a lot about this, and I was thinking, you know, uh, could I show up, like, not hot air ballooning, not hot air ballooning down, but, like, parachuting down, like, Iron Man or something like that? Okay. I thought, no. I want to show up in the car from Entourage. I want Vinny, Turtle, and Johnny Drama blasting the music. You don't want E in the car? No. No E. Whoa! I don't want E in the car. Okay? There's only four in the Entourage. I'm taking his place. I get out of the car, Johnny Drama goes, kill it baby bro, cause I'm their little brother. Vinny goes, it's all gonna work out, and I walk to training camp. What do you think? I think it's a terrible idea, I would oh, not do that. Great idea, especially when I played for a team in California. Yeah, sure, alright, yeah. Um, alright, moving forward, let's talk about the other team in New York. Um, we have a bold statement alert, so earlier in the week, uh, Adam Gase was, was questioned about, you know, if they have playoff aspirations for the New York Jets this year. Uh, he said that the Jets will play meaningful games in December. Okay. I don't think it's that out of bounds. I don't think the Jets are that bad. Yeah. What, the, what, what the Jets won five games last year? No, I think it's a total troll job because realistically you can say even if you're like, you know, 
five and eight heading into December, you can still say they're meaningful. Like it's, I guess it's, it's, a, it's a, a troll job on Adam Gase's part. It's genius. It's true. I mean, I don't know. I from a football perspective, I don't think Jets gonna be bad. I think Jets are gonna be the second best team in the division. I think they're gonna be pretty. Listen, they won five games last year with the worst roster I've ever seen. It was awful. They had Sam Donald running for his dear life. They added Bell and some slot receivers and some guys on defense. I think they're going to probably be in 500 teams. So they could be competing for that final wild card spot going into December. Could st- I don't think they're going to be out of it by then. So I, I kind of agree with them. Without looking at the Jets' schedule, I'm pretty sure that their first six games are very tough. And then after that, I think they have smooth sailing. Yeah, I mean, if the Jets come out of that 3-3... Three and three, they're going to play meaningful games in fucking December. Yeah, so just just checking it out right now. Uh, week one against the Bills. Week two against the Browns. Week three against New England. Week four is a bye. Week five against Philly. Week six against Dallas. That's a tough. That's a tough stretch. So you can realistically go two and four in those first. It could be worse. Yeah, it could go one and five. Yeah, that's that's a tough. So then they play New England again. They play New England week seven, and then Jackson. That's Jackson a tough schedule. Go. And then it gets easier. Miami week nine, Giants week ten, Redskins week eleven, Raiders week twelve. They literally could win out after that New England game. They could win out because they play some terrible teams. Um, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll agree with Adam Gase. You could you could realistically be playing meaningful games in this. Listen, he said he kept the expectations moderate. It's not like he's saying, "Oh, we'll be in the playoffs like in by December." He said, "We're gonna play meaningful games." Me, if I'm a Jets fan, I probably would have preferred a Super Bowl guarantee. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's why I'm not a Jets fan. <laughs> Um, all right, Joe, you and I for the last few weeks have been talking about the NBA, um, not on the podcast, just in general. And to be frank with you, I'm getting tired of the NBA. I want to see less of Kawhi. His interviews with Rachel Nichols stink, and every media thing with Kawhi blows. I'm, I don't want to hear about Steve Kerr bitching about AD forcing his way out of LA, and I don't want to hear about LeBron James fucking lame, racist Taco Tuesdays. Everyone in the NBA needs to shut up. Preseason's about to start on Thursday. It is the NFL time. It is the NFL's time. You guys can resurface in like three months. Having said that, Steve Ballmer is my new favorite person in the world. He should never shut up. He should always be his loud, goofy, fat, uncoordinated self. Jumping around in the stands, going crazy, you know, on court when Kawhi and Paul George dominate the rest of the NBA. Yeah, he's really funny because he's out of his mind and then like you see like he worked like Bill Gates ran Microsoft and he was like a very calm, nerdy like oh, how do I like fix the internet type of deal and then Steve Bomber's walking in like it's a Scientology meeting. He's like, "Woo! We got Microsoft Vista." And he's going nuts and screaming, but he's fun. listen, he's funny. He wants to change the name to the clip of the Clippers maybe when they move. I don't know what that means, but he's kind of nuts, but I think he's very, very entertaining. If I hear anything from the NBA, this is what I want to hear. No, it's but I gotta say, I'm just fired up to be here today. It's pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. <laughs> so imagine walking into a quarterly meeting after Microsoft just sold Windows 98 and Steve Ballmer walks in like, pretty fired up to be here. Imagine being like a nine-year-old kid and meeting your hero. That is Steve Ballmer every single day of his life. I think it's a matter of time before he fights a player, right? Like in the middle of a game. He goes, does this at the games. 
He yells at the he like yell like him and Russell Westbrook got a fight at some point, right? I was gonna say Russell Westbrook got introduced as a rocket. I I, I don't care. He's very very humble. Yeah, it's his first day. You want him to be a cocky asshole? No, he's very humble. He's taking a back seat. Rockets gonna win the title in four. I have no doubt about that. You heard that here first. All right, uh, we have an NBA players hate America. Apparently, nobody wants to play for Team USA. They're getting turned down left and right. <laughs> And now Marcus Smart is going to be on the USA basketball team. The Celtics lost their two best players this year, and they have more players, I think, on the USA team than any team in the league. I think they got Smart, Jalen Brown. Is Tatum playing? I think Tatum's playing. So they, I, it's quite. I think it's actually good though, because maybe like the games will be competitive. We're not playing like Puerto Rico and winning by ninety. So like, I don't know who's the best player on the team. Is it is. Did uh, Dame back out yet? Uh, no, he's playing. Dame's I think playing. Dame and Kemba. I think Dame and McCollum are playing. Uh, McCollum, and I think Kemba's playing. I think, and Julius Randle's probably going to be the best player on the team. Look, I'll tell you this, Joe. It's disgusting the lack of respect that every other NBA superstar has for our country, USA. You should play whenever asked. It shouldn't be, oh, this is not my health, my body. You need to play for your country. There's one guy out there who should be on this roster. Captain America himself, Carmelo Anthony, should be starting for the USA basketball team. I'm sure he would accept if they asked him. They will not ask him. They already said that. Well, no other NBA team wants to ask him to play for them either. He actually came out today saying he just wants a farewell tour like Dwayne Wade and he wants to retire. Right, because him and Dwayne Wade are comparable as NBA players. You're right, Mel is much better. <laughs> okay. Um... I have a do you feel do you feel bad? Uh, do you feel bad for Jeremy Lin? He was recently, um, I, I think, on a press tour somewhere in a country in Asia. I don't remember the specific. He's country. Chinese. Was he? It was in China. Was it in China? I think so. Oh, anyway, he talked about you know being in rock bottom during free agency and him not thinking it could get any worse, and it has gotten worse for him. Uh, no team really wants to give him an opportunity anymore. At this point in his career, I mean, he was the third string point guard on a championship roster. Do you feel bad for him? No. I'll tell you why I don't feel bad for him. Because back when Lynn Sanity started, the Knicks were entering. Knicks got on a little run. They were playing Miami in the first round of the playoffs. Did they have a chance against Miami? No. But Jeremy Lynn was going into free agency the following year. He was coming off a hot end of the regular season. He was a little banged up. He had a direct quote of saying, oh, I'm only 80-85% right now, so I'm not going to play in the playoffs. Didn't play. Left, Knicks let him go. He went to Houston, and his career has actually been pretty terrible other than about four or five months in the regular season of that one year. Went to Houston. Sucked. Then he got traded to the Lakers. Sucked. Then I think he went to you're missing, Charlotte. You're missing Brooklyn. No, he went to Brooklyn later. Oh, he went to Brooklyn after Charlotte? I think it was after Charlotte. I thought he went to Brooklyn after Houston. and then that's no, when, no, 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 okay. no, no, no. I think he went to Charlotte, then Brooklyn, then to Atlanta, and he was always hurt. he got a re- he had a really bad injury at Brooklyn. He was actually playing pretty well for Brooklyn, and he got really hurt. Then he went to Atlanta, was behind Trey Young, didn't really play, and then he got traded to the Raptors, where we actually thought he was going to play some somewhat meaningful minutes here and there, but he didn't. I don't feel bad for him. You got lucky because Melo was hurt and you stepped in. I'll say this. Think about all the backup point guards who wish they had an opportunity like Jeremy Lin did. Like, think about Damon Jones. Think about Bobby Jackson. Think about all these guys that were on teams that never got a starting role because they were cemented as the backup. All right, but I don't even want to go that far. You're out of the league. All right, and the season is still three months away. You're going to get picked up by somebody. So, relax. Second of all, 
Carmelo Anthony's a Hall of Famer. He can't get picked up. I don't feel bad for Jeremy Lin not getting picked up by an NBA team. Feel bad for a Carmelo Anthony, or I don't think Lance Stevenson got picked up. Guys who have actually contributed in this league more than like four or five months. I feel bad for him just because he looks so sad. He's no, got, he's, he's playing this pity card. You think anybody's going to sign look. you now? Shut up. Get him out of here. I'm done with him. He's really pissed me off. Should have played that Miami series. He'd still be in New York. I don't think I'd take him back on the Nets. I think we have enough guards there. I don't think we can use him at all. No, I, I, he might end up on the Lakers somehow. The Lakers have a roster spot. All right, we have a wait. What? The Mets, not the Yankees, the Mets trade for starting pitcher Marcus Stroman from the Blue Jays, a player that the Yankees were thought to be extremely interested in as they need starting pitching. What does this mean for the Mets moving forward, Joe? It means the Mets control the pitching trade market more than anybody in baseball. The Mets, the number one pitching uh, target for the trade deadline was Marcus Stroman. Houston and the Yankees were the number one teams looking for him. Milwaukee needs a starting pitcher badly. And he was the number one option for a lot of teams. The Mets also possessed two of the other options on the trade deadline market for pitching in Syndergaard and Wheeler. So the Mets said, okay, worst case, we get Stroman and we have Syndergaard and Wheeler and we could actually flip all three of them. Or we're set up for next year. They're probably still going to trade Wheeler because he's a free agent after the year. And they're set up for next year. They got rid of Jason Vargas, thank God. But, listen, the move is confusing to Mets fans because if you take out the three games they lost in extra innings to the Giants, the Mets would probably be a game or two out of the wild card right now. And they came up short in those games. So the Mets are still giving false hope. They're winning the back pages, and uh, this is what they're doing. All right, I'm going to give you an analogy. You ready? So you and I go to a pizza place that I love. And I haven't had this pizza in a long time. I've been having shitty fucking pizza lately. Awful. And there's one slice. It's it's the upside-down slice. It's the tomato sauce on the top, the cheese in the middle. And I fucking love that slice. And I go, Joe, you and I are going, I'm going to get that slice. And there's one left. And I got You it. happen to be in front of me. And you go, you know what? I'm going to have that tomato slice. You don't need it. You don't really like it that much. But just because I want it, you're going to take it. The Mets, yes, they cornered the pitching market. The point of a Major League Baseball season is to win a championship. Wilpon and Brody Van Wagenen did this to spite the fuck out of the Yankees. I'm sure if they didn't make a trade for Stroman, the Yankees would have got him for a little bit cheaper. Than no way. The Mets, the Mets didn't give for. up anything. The Mets gave up two prospects not in the top 100. Then how did the Yankees not get him? And the, the, and the only thing that this means is they're going after a big name like a Trevor Bauer, like a Zach Greinke. Okay, Zach Greinke's a mental midget. He's not, he wanted to run out of L.A. as soon as he was there. And listen, Trevor Bauer throws the ball further than anybody. So, like, they might get him, but he's nuts. And I could, The Yankees are not giving up prospects. So, you know what? The Mets said, we don't have any prospects. So, anything we have left, we're going to give you. And now the Mets have all the pitchers. Can they feel? By the way, move makes no sense. He leads the... <laughs> makes no sense because Stroman's a ground ball pitcher. He literally is, I think, top three or one he might be in ground ball percentage per start. And the Mets have the worst fielding team in the MLB. So this makes no sense from a baseball perspective. Unless the Mets are going to trade Todd Frazier, get rid of... Move all these infielders or I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. But the Mets have, when on their A game... The most dominant rotation in baseball, maybe outside of Washington and maybe the Dodgers. So, I don't know what they're doing. I think it's just kind of like, well, there's the best player available. We don't need to give up that much for him. So, we'll just like raise the bit. Like, it raises Zach Wheeler's fucking price tag. It raises Syndergaard's price tag. It raises Stroman's price tag. 
because you have all of them. I just imagine Brody Van Wagenen being in a room with all his advisors and him being like, you know what? Make a trade for Marcus Stroman. Uh, but Brody, um, Marcus Stroman is, is one of the best pitchers in the league at, at getting ground ball outs in our infield. I said trade for him! I don't know what he's doing. And there, when's the trade deadline? Two days. And Mets roster probably won't look anything like it does right now in two days. <laughs> they're going to try to trade everybody. and just they're going to have a new team for the rest Not of the year. Not to mention, your problem wasn't with starting pitching. Your problem was with relievers. Yes, Stroman is a better starting pitching than Vargas, who you just traded today for a double-A catcher. Am I correct? Yeah, it was more of a salary dump. But my point is this. Stroman is not that much better than Vargas that's going to equate to X amount more wins. Where you could have made a change if you're the Mets, you could have gotten a reliever. But no, you wanted to put a stranglehold on the starting pitching market for some reason because you're a fucking sociopath, Brody. You also are going to try to trade Edwin Diaz to the Red Sox, which will piss the Yankees off even more. And then you're also... They have a catcher that nobody wants to pitch to because he sucks. So <laughs> there's that. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I have a weird prediction that the Milwaukee's looking for starting pitching. They're looking to move on from Grindal, maybe in a deal. I could see them sending Wheeler for Grindal and getting rid of Wilson Ramos and kind of flipping this whole thing around, which they like could have did in the off season without. But. Whatever, I don't know. The Mets are winning the back pages once again. The Yankees are 30 games over 500, and we're talking about the Mets. So that's where we stand in the New York metropolitan area. Fair point. Mets win the week as far as the headlines go, as uh, is tradition these last few weeks. Okay, um, starting, we have our best of the week segment, where Joe and I talk about the best of the week. We will start with the winner of this last week. Joe, who was your winner? My winner is the Giants' fourth and fifth string receivers, Cody Latimer and Benny Fowler, because you are the starters now. So you better learn that playbook, boys, because you are going to get all of Eli's passes. Yeah, I'm sure Cody Latimer didn't uh, enter the season thinking he was going to be the number one option uh, come week one, but um, it's time for him and Benny Fowler to step up like the true Pro Bowl-capable receivers that they are. Yeah, they're, they're going to probably have Pro Bowl receiving years. They're probably going to both catch 100 balls, over 1,000 yards, and the Giants will probably be like the three seed in the NFC playoffs. And there's still going to be some nutjob Giants fans who are going to call in to Kay and Francesa and say, hey, you know what? Giants' schedule is pretty easy this year. Eli and them boys, they can get after it. They, yep. can, they can make the playoffs. The Giants always win the training camp. They always win training camp headlines, so the Giants will win this offseason. My winner of the week is 16-year-old from Pennsylvania, Kyle, nicknamed Buga Giersdorf, uh, he won the Fortnite championship and received $3 million. God bless America. Yeah, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was listening to Golik and Wingo in the morning. Jason Fitz compared Fortnite's popularity to professional poker. I was, thought that was the dumbest comparison in the world. Professional poker's been around. I mean, not professional, but poker's been around for 40-plus years, right? Like the actual card game. Yeah, it's a card game. Yeah. Fortnite's a video game. Right, but he was saying the popularity of the sport. Fortnite's been around for like four hours. Right. So I don't know what he's talking about. I don't get it. Was he on drugs? Um, do you think Fortnite guys get laid? Yeah, right? By the Fortnite community. And actually, if you win $3 million, I think you get laid anywhere. I've never met a chick who was just like, oh, Fortnite... Alright, that's enough. Anyway, um, loser of the week. My loser of the week is a tie between the New York Giants receiving core and Marcus Stroman. 
Uh, Why is Stroman a loser? He's pitching in front of his home fans in the greatest city in the world. Yeah, when Stroman found out the news that he was going to the That's Mets, not what happened. He did not react nicely. No, he, was, he reacted badly because the Blue Jays said, yeah, like, we really don't like you. Like, please leave. They don't like... They bashed him in his exit okay, meeting. I, I, you're an MLB player. You're in some random market. San Diego, Atlanta, what you call it. I say you're going to the Mets. You're a loser. The Mets only trade for guys who end up sucking with the Mets. Let me explain something to you. They are not the Knicks. They are the Mets. You know what? They yeah, they're are, worse than the Knicks. They are still in the playoff race. Okay, Strowman's a loser, and the New York Giants receiving core uh, just getting hurt and taking drugs to have babies, but testing positive for NFL drug substance abuse policies. Yeah, both losers for this week. My yeah. loser of the week this week is Saquon Barkley because his prime is going to be cut short by four years because he's going to have more carries than any running back in NFL history this year. That he is, oh, I feel so fucking bad for him. He's literally going to carry the ball 35 times a game. He's going to get abused. And he's the kind of runner where he doesn't have a really good yard per carry. Like, he has, like, he'll have, like, 20 carries for 47 yards, and they'll break off one for like 65. It's like the Adrian Peterson thing, where he'll have 130 yards for the game, but like 75 of the yards were on two carries. All right, we're going to go a little bit off topic now because that's a great, great, great loser of the week. I'm going to give you a quick round of applause for that. That was ridiculous. But you're the Giants. There's a few other losers of the week if these guys don't even get a look by the Giants. You ready? Des Bryant. Is he? I don't think he's healthy yet. Towards Achilles. Cam Meredith. Would be a good... No, he, he... just got cut. By who? The Saints. They cut him already? Yes. It might, he'll probably be a giant. Victor Cruz. No. Wants to come back and play. Yeah, he wasn't good for the last four years of his career. Chad Ochocinco. He's probably better than Victor Cruz. He's been out of the league longer. All right. I just... They're receiving, of course, such a joke right now. Okay, moving forward... Uh, the disappointment of the week, Joe, who was your biggest disappointment? My biggest disappointment of the week was Rory McIlroy coming into the final round in the uh, St. Jude Classic of the World Golf Championships with Brooks Kepka. He had a one-shot lead over Brooks going into the final round. Not an overly difficult course, especially on the front nine, very scorable. Brooks started the first five holes three under. Rory parred every single hole on the front. And he just never got anything going. His wedge game, his, he drove the ball great. His wedge game was awful. He was putting, his close, he was, the closest birdie putt I saw most of his round was like 25 feet. He was really off his game. His wedge is off. I think he was still rattled from his performance at the Open. And the day before, he shot 62. So I don't know what happened. Maybe Brooks had a little, that tiger intimidation in him. But he folded badly playing with Brooks in the final round. And I was pretty disappointed to see it. My disappointment of the week um, was every single starting pitcher for the New York Yankees. They were all abysmal. And you can go up and down the rotation. Herman was probably your most serviceable. And he still let up like four or five runs, I think, in his, his last start. The was one it they won. against the Twins? Well, they won against the Red Sox the last game. But was he still let up like four or five runs. And the start before that against the Twins, he was awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah he got shelled. Um, everyone from Tanaka letting up 12 against the Red Sox. Paxton let up a ton against the Red Sox. Hap let up a ton against the Twins, I think it was. Yeah, it was brutal. Regardless, two to three runs is what you need to give up if you're a Yankee starting pitcher, and you'll probably 90% chance you'll win the game. Get it together. That Twin series, the fact that they won that, that crazy game where it was 14-12, when they won, it was ridiculous because you do that in the playoffs, 
You're, you're not going to hit that much. You're going to lose those games immediately. I will tell you something about that Yankee win 14-12. I had a three-team parlay that night. I had the Mets, who was playing Pittsburgh. They won easily. I had the... What I, I had the I had the Reds. I, I think I had the Reds. Reds let up five runs in the first inning. Lost the game early. And I had the Yankees. So you think winning the Yankees winning in that fashion is like, oh my God, like you're destined to win this parlay. Yankees win with the Hicks makes the diving catch. Mets win easily. No. Fucking Reds. I never bet when Tanner Roark's pitching. Fucking decided, you know what, they're playing well. They're all right. Fucking get shelled in the first inning for five. I was dead in the first inning of the Reds game. We don't have a best game of the week segment, but I watched from inning eight to inning ten that Yankees Twins game. That was the most exciting baseball game I've ever watched. Yeah, it was. It was home run. Twins are up. Home run. Yankees are up. Home run. Twins are up. Double. Yankees are up. Sixteen walks. Aaron Hicks makes a diving catch. It was fucking exhilarating to watch I that. I think Herman gave up eight runs that game. He got. Murdered. He got murdered, and then, but every single reliever for the Yankees pitched terribly. Britton came in, walked the first guy, let up a home run. Adovino came in, walked two or three. Chapman came in, walked the first three. Everyone was horrible. They, they Chad Green comes in for one batter, gives up a rope to the uh, Kluber or whatever the fuck his name not is. Not Kluber. Kluber. Mitch Mitch Kepler. Okay. He hits the ball in the gap, left and center. Hicks makes the diving catch. That game was insane, but yeah, the Yankees, Cashman, stop being cute, get a starting pitcher, anyone, just to kind of round out this lineup, because right now your pitcher's confidence is all gone. Well, he's going to go back to what he did last year, where your starting pitchers are going to go five innings. He's got to get five innings out of his starters, that's it. Because he'll, he, he'll get five innings out of Tanaka, Herman, Sabathia. problem with Tanaka is when Tanaka gets shelled, he gets, he gets like, shelled it's in the first inning. Tanaka in the Red Sox game was awful. The only guy that I, like, have zero faith in come playoffs, and he's on my fantasy baseball team, is Paxton. Paxton has, he pitched really good against the Red Sox back in, like, fucking April or May. Outside of that, he's been atrocious. Pitched in Seattle. What do you expect? Um, all right. Best moment of the week for me, it was Trevor Bauer losing his mind. That's funny. Throwing the ball over the center field fence. Very impressive. And then immediately, like a child who knew he fucked up, apologizing to Francona. Francona still yelled at him, but it was just a great moment. It was a very good apology, too, after the game. He was very, like, I'm an asshole. I'm sorry. I suck. Go. I'll kill myself. I feel bad. But it was it was a piss rocket. You, you know, it's funny. People, like, hate on Bauer because he fucked up his finger a few years ago with the drone, and he's kind of a psychopath. I have zero problem with him. I actually think he's amazing. Um, we need it in baseball. We need it in baseball. We need that emotion. But the rea- I think my favorite my favorite reaction to that was his teammate who was standing like right there, and he almost like he, he ran away because he thought that you know Bauer was gonna nail him with the baseball. He like flinched when Bauer threw the ball over. It was amazing. It was it was, it was, a, it was a good baseball moment. It was it was necessary. Now that we're in the dog days of baseball, we need something. But Bauer was very. Comical. Uh, was it Sunday? It was yesterday, right? Yeah. It was Sunday. It was very Trevor funny. Bauer, future New York Yankee. My best moment of the week is David Ortiz got released from the hospital. He will continue his rehab at home. And he posted a picture of him grilling a steak. So that means he gets to eat red meat again. What's incredible about that entire story is Ortiz can literally say he survived a, a mob hit. Yeah. I will also say I r- r- survived the Dominican Republic. I was there in January... And then ever since I got back, everybody's been dying. So 
I feel that I survived death. Two guys I know survived a mob hit. David Ortiz and Tony Soprano. And David Ortiz is the only one who's still alive. That's a good point. That's a very good point. They both love steak. R.I.P. James Gandolfini. We're huge fans. Very, very big fans of Jim. Alright, wait, did you give me your best moment of the week? Oh yeah, it was just David Ortiz. Okay, something we have to look forward to. Joe, what are you looking forward to this week? I'm actually going to be taking a trip to um, Las Vegas' brother, Atlantic City, on Thursday and Friday night. Um, I'll be going down there to win all of their money, bet all of their games, and live it large, like they say, with the with the, uh, what the kids say. Not sure if the kids are saying that right now, Joe, but I, I understand what you're saying. Alright, good. Win big. Um, Viva Las Vegas. I am looking forward to the first football action that isn't whatever weird league. What was the league called? The AFL or something? No. It last. It was. What was it it called? The one with um, uh, Christian Hackenberg? AAF? AAF. Okay. Whatever the fuck. I'm excited for pregame NFL action. The Hall of Fame game on Thursday night, Joe. In a league where they can make payroll. (laughs) Christian Hackenberg (laughs) no longer has a job. The NFL, Broncos versus Falcons. One team won a Super Bowl in the last five years. One team didn't. And the team who won the Super Bowl has a quarterback who won one seven years ago. Going to be a... Terrible, terrible football game because the starters are going to play one. If they even play in the Hall of Fame game. If they even play, but I'm just excited to have fucking football back, Joe. Oh, thank God. I'm going to bet on it. All right. um, Rounding out the podcast, we have a top five. These are the worst things about summer. Joe, starting, what is your number five worst thing about summer? Worst thing about summer right now is the traffic because I live in Fort Lee. And on a Sunday, whether I'm coming home from the beach or I'm coming home from anywhere, the traffic for the George Washington Bridge is backed up beyond belief. I'm really tired of it. I get it. You all got to go back into the city after you leave it because it's so hot and dirty and smelly. But you know what? I'm tired of this fucking traffic in the summer. I need a break. I need to drive smoothly. And now that they're doing paving around my building this week, I'm really not going to be able to drive. My number five least favorite thing about the summer... Uh, everything about going to the beach. Oh, you're such a drip. The traffic, the sweating, the getting sand everywhere on your body, especially in my crack, having a soggy bathing suit for the rest of the day, the alcohol gets really warm really fast, food down there is eh. Um, I am not a beach guy, and I hate being dragged to the beach, and the beach sucks. So, actually, I actually prefer the beach in the winter and fall, when you just go there, you look at the beach, you say, ooh, that's pretty, and then you go back home and you drink more wine. You suck. All right, number four, Joe. What's number four on your list? My number four on the list is me feeling bad about myself when I wake up and it's 85 degrees, sunny out, and I sit inside all day watching TV, eating chips. Um, I tend to do this one of the days on the weekend, and I came home from the beach yesterday. It was beautiful outside. And I sat in bed all day watching documentaries and watching golf. I feel a little bad about myself because it's so beautiful out and I'm going to be bitching and complaining when it's winter. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't really give a shit. I sat inside all day and ate chips and hung out. See, I think you're a winner in in having done that because my number four is the complete opposite of that. I am forced to go outside by my friends, family, and girlfriend during the summer. I hate it. Because I'm not able to hide my fat 
through the t-shirts I wear and all the summer shit I wear. In the winter, in the fall, I can hide my fat in jackets and sweatshirt. But no, I gotta look at all the dudes with sleeveless shirts and fucking six packs while I got a double keg of fucking Heineken heavy. Okay. So, uh, I just don't like being forced to hang out outside. I don't care that it's nice out. I actually would rather do what you do. Alright. Well, my number three moment was not only feeling bad about myself by going, not going out, feeling bad about myself when I go to bed before the sun goes down because the days are longer and sometimes I just want to go to bed at 8.15, 8.30. I don't want to really, you know, do things. So I go to bed early sometimes, but then I feel bad because I can't fall asleep because the sun's still out. So I feel bad about myself and then like I get yelled at. It's like, oh, why are you so boring? And then I just go to sleep to annoy my haters. Yeah, my number three is mosquito bites and bugs. They suck. Yeah, I have no more, I don't know, fucking uh, anything for that. I just, I hate, literally before we started the podcast, I've been scratching my legs because I have mosquito bites everywhere. I spend like five to ten minutes outside from Monday to Friday as is, and I still somehow get mosquito bites. So, fuck the summer, fuck mosquito bites. And other bugs. Well, my number two on the list, since you have a really big problem with bugs, is... um. Having to track baseball trade rumors at the end of July because sports are really, really bad right now. And we just need to get into football season because this the Marcus Stroman trade is the highlight of the week so far. And it's not really that happy. And oh, this fucking mosquito boy is so itchy. Stop scratching yourself on my couch. It's Sorry. disturbing. Sorry. But yeah, we got to listen to baseball rumors and who the Yankees are not going to trade for and who the Mets are going to trade for. And it's getting really fucking monotonous and can't take it anymore but that's yeah fuck i hate summer you want to feel this bite don't touch me um number two for me uh it's not being allowed to eat soup um, i ate soup today yeah but i'm not allowed to why um because you're not supposed to eat soup in the summer not supposed to eat gumbo so why do they sell it not supposed to eat jambalaya why do they sell it i, I don't know i ate it today they're not they don't let me Who's they? Society. Uh, fuck society. I ate soup today. It was delicious. I love soup, but I'm only allowed to eat it in the winter and the fall because that's when my mother makes it. Uh, yeah, you just eat soup when you want. Number one for you, worst thing about the summer? Worst thing about the summer is like I don't, I don't wear a suit to work. But I gotta wear decent clothes, button down, like khakis, what, like decent shoes. And you know, you go out of your, you leave, you go to your car. I park in a garage, so it's not that bad. But I come home, I leave the office, and it's 95 degrees outside. My car is 130 because it's been baking in the sun for 10 hours. And I'm just sitting in this sweaty dress shirt in the fucking summer. And I'm tired of it. Yeah, I, I like to wear a coat once in a while, maybe a vest over the button down. You know, not be like sticky in my fucking car. I have a 10 minute, less than a 10 minute commute to work. And I got sticky shirt in my friggin' office. I can't tolerate it. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of this fucking... I wish I could just wear fucking shorts to work every day. My life would be a lot fucking easier. But instead, no. I gotta have a sticky dress shirt. Some khakis that are too tight and it's hot. And ugh. Ugh. Uh, actually, going off that, my, uh, my office is very... Uh, what's the word? Casual? Is that it? Ooh. So I wear a t-shirt every day. I take the bus to work. So I'm outside for a total of five minutes from my walk from the bus to my office. Um, I got pit stains from my walk to the from the bus to the office. Hot. I literally walked in with pit stains. I felt like a fucking idiot. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ, I picked a bad day not to wear deodorant, which I usually put on every day, but just today I was like, fuck it, you know, why, why? I'm going to take the chance. I never understood that. It didn't pay off. I never understood that. 
Okay, and my number one thing, uh, worst worst thing about the summer, it's sports. I mean, you just have baseball and the ESPYs, and the ESPYs stopped being funny like five years ago. Um, and to compound that, the only thing I talk to people in my office about during football season and basketball season is football and basketball. Once those things are done, what, you want me to talk about the Yankees 162 game season with Nick? All right, Nick will gladly talk to me about it, but I don't want to talk about it at all. I got it. And all they do is talk about politics, and this is, I fucking hate the summer when it comes to sports. I just wish that soccer was better, or lacrosse was better, or well, baseball you know, was more exciting. Lacrosse is terrible. Lacrosse is the worst sport ever in I hate lacrosse. Um, yeah, sports in the summer sucks. But I get to play golf in the summer. So that's you do, well, spot. we're not talking about the best parts of summer. We're talking about the worst parts of summer. I so know. count down your five, Joe. Your five was traffic, not going outside when it's nice, um, going to bed before the sun goes down, having to watch baseball in the summer, and sweating in work clothes throughout the week. And my five was everything about the beach, not being able to hide my fat slash being forced to hang out outside, mosquito bites and other bugs, number three, number two, not being able to eat soup. Number one, sports. And there you go. And there you have it. Joe, I think we nailed it. We nailed it. Um, one for two. One for two. Uh, I would say two for two. Two and a half for two. Um, I'd like to give a special shout out to Johnny Crusader, our producer, who is not here today, but he will hopefully be here uh, in the later weeks. He is not dead. Don't worry. I don't know. He's still alive. He's not here. You and made I, it sound like it was his like memorial. No, it's not his memorial. It's special thanks to Johnny Crusader. Special thanks is usually like he lived a meaningful life, but he moved on to the faithful departed. He's not the faithful departed. He's still alive. And I would like to give a special thanks to our one and only true Giants beat reporter, Timmy Barks. He is not dead either. We just decided not to listen to his opinion until we have a lot of Giants ammunition backed up. As we get closer to the start of the regular season, we'll be having on our NC State alumni, Timmy Barks, who has a ton of positive things to say about the Giants Super Hall of Fame quarterback, Daniel Jones, and the Giants Super Hall of Fame quarterback, Eli Manning. Yeah, he thinks they're really good, so I guess we're going to hear from him eventually, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So Timmy Barks, Johnny Crusader, special shout out. Uh, thank you to everyone who listened today. Um, Johnny Walker Black is our sponsor. Hopefully. No, they're, they're our sponsor. We, oh, we drink every single We episode. Technically, if I use a product more than 17 times a week, I should be sponsored by them. All right. Thanks for listening and enjoy this Drake and Josh theme song. I found a way, I found a way. I thought that it'd be too crazy, but I found a way.